Welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Rico Surridge, Chief Product and Technology Officer at Witch, the UK's consumer champion, raising awareness of consumer rights and offering independent advice. Today, Rico and I are going to talk about his OKR journey and his learnings along the way. Welcome to Giant Talk, Rico. It's great to have you with us for this episode. Please, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hey, Carly. Uh, thanks for having me on the Giant Talk OKR podcast today. Uh, say, I'm, I'm Rico Surridge. I'm Chief Product and Technology Officer here at Witch. Uh, I've been here for just a little under three years now. And previously, I've worked for organisations like the BBC and ITV. Um, I'm really happy if you want, I can give a bit more context on Witch if, if that would be useful for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, by all means, please do. Um, I'm, I'm super conscious that, that some of the listeners might be outside of the UK and, mm-hmm. and they will not have heard of us. So, which is a, a not-for-profit organisation. We're a little bit like Consumer Reports over in the US. And we operate a, a commercial subscription offering. And it's kind of centred around rigorous, independent, unbiased uh, reviews and advice for the sorts of products and services that we use day to day. And it's sort of really centred around empowering and equipping users to avoid and, and kind of tackle points of potential consumer harm in their day-to-day lives. And then we've also got a charitable mission. We're, we're a charity registered here in the UK, and that centres around kind of identifying, anticipating and exposing some of those points of consumer harm. We work with consumers on a free basis as well, and then also with, with businesses and policymakers to improve the overall consumer landscape in the UK. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for giving a good a good overview of, of which, especially for um, those listeners that aren't based in the UK. I know I've came across which um, various times and I've been looking for reviews online and, and, and different things. So I'm sure those based in the UK, UK will have heard of which before. But let's start by talking about your, your journey into OKRs and how you used OKRs before joining which, as I know you, you have experience with them before joining um, your current organisation. Yeah, of course. So I'm a I'm a I'm a huge advocate for OKRs. I've used them in three or four different organisations now. And in in truth, I think as as you hear, you know, the implement the implementation of them has always varied a little bit. You know, either it's been a, a team level or a department level. Um, sometimes it's been, you know, the reporting has been very heavily manual. Sometimes it's been quite automated. Uh, in some some organisations, there's been more emphasis on the objectives, and others a bit more emphasis on the key results. In in truth, I've never experienced them implemented quite as holistically as we we've now achieved here at Which, and I'm kind of really proud of where we've gotten to as an organisation. Thank you. It's good to hear that you are an OKR advocate, and um, we need more of those. And it's always good to hear um, people's journeys into OKRs and, and where they've used them before. So I'm interested to hear what learnings you've taken from your previous experience using OKRs that have helped you in your OKR journey at which? Yeah, of course. Um, and, and, you know, l- learning is so important. We're always trying to optimise for learning, right? Um, so maybe for context, you know, we're uh, uh, going through a fairly comprehensive digital transformation across our people, our processes and our technology at which. And if I had to pick one thing from my previous experiences that I think carries forward and applies to the, to, to the context and situation we find ourselves in, I think it would be this kind of point of focus and alignment. And as we know, OKRs are all about focus and alignment, so that's great. Um, but my, you know, my experience, in order to be truly effective, in order to genuinely work, it's got to be adopted at that organisational level. 
Now, I say that because I have been in, in other organizations, you know, and I'm sure a bunch of your listeners have, have been in similar situations. You can write a fantastic um, objective and key result at a team level. Um, and, and often by team, I mean sort of that classic three to eight, you know, cross-functional group of people working together to achieve a specific outcome. Um, you can write, a, you know, an amazing OKR. And then a manager or an exec from another department or another team walks in and says, hey, I've got this really important priority. We need to, we need to work on this thing. Um, quite possibly that person line manages some of the people in that team if it's cross-functional. Uh, and quite quickly, we can see things unravel and start to, to fall apart. And so for me, I think the biggest learning I'll take from those, those previous experiences is um, you need to avoid that situation early and you need to bring um, the whole organization on the journey and put the priorities at that top level. So, and, and that's where that alignment piece really comes in and, and, and comes to fruition for me. So I think for me, that biggest learning has got to be uh, uh, the focus on alignment at an organizational level, make it super clear and then allow all of the teams across the business and whatever guys they might be to write objectives in, in all kinds of forms that ladder up to those organizational goals. Yeah, definitely some some key learnings there. Um, and we're all for learning and, and testing and adapting. Um, and I think it's, it's obviously key in order to, to move forward. You've touched on the organisational level there. Um, so I was just wondering if you could share a little bit more about how you use OKRs at which I think with OKRs being different for all organisations, and as you've mentioned, people use them in different ways. It's interesting to hear how which have chosen to adopt them. I'd love to. So for for, for further context, which is about 650 people and, and back to the top, you know, our remit is quite broad. We work across quite a variety of audiences and we've got quite a breadth of goals. So um, we operate effectively a two-tier OKR model. At an organizational level, back to that point of alignment, really kind of really, really believe in this, really would hammer that home. At an organizational level, We've got four um, annual key result, uh, sorry, annual uh, objectives um, with kind of roughly four or five key results sitting under each one. And we set those um, in line with our financial year. Um, we, we actually go to the extent of, of, of kind of cementing those, signing those off with our governance structure. Um, we report on them as part of a wider organizational dashboard that we send out quarterly. And that includes, you know, a few other measures, you know, some of the financial measures, some of the people-centric measures and KPIs. Um, but, you know, our top tier is that organizational um, set of OKRs. And that is predominantly, that is fundamentally set by the executive leadership team. And, and it very much aligns to our strategy and our three-year and 10-year um, uh, aspiration and vision for the business. So that's kind of tier one. Tier two um, is then the objectives and key results that, that are written at a team level. And that's very much OKRs that are written by the teams, um, by the teams themselves. They craft them, they think about them relative to the, the strategies or the missions that, that they have. Um, but importantly, they have to ladder up to our annual objectives. You need to be able to draw a clear line of sight. You know, we don't want teams that are necessarily doing things that don't service that kind of central point of need. Um, and, and at a team level, we tend to encourage kind of one to two objectives, maximum of three to five key results. I always bias towards the fewer, the better. You know, my ideal world, a team is writing one objective with maybe one or two key results really, really kind of hammer into that point of focus, understand the, you know, the dial that you're trying to turn and the, the, the metric that you want to move. 
Um, and, and with an emphasis, of course, as we know, on leading indicators, thing that we, you know, things that we can iterate and influence as we go rather than lagging, um, and things that are wholly within the kind of the remit of that team to shift in, in, you know, in an ideal world. We've got some exceptions to that. As always, you know, you can't um, blanket apply um, these things. You need to, to be able to bend the rules from time to time. But fundamentally, it's a two-tier model. And we're really lucky, I think. We've got a small two-person business planning team that helps us run them operationally. Um, they're, they're kind of our OKR experts. They they help us with some of the reporting. They help um, nudge teams along. And, and they've also then trained and worked with um, a small team of OKR champions from across the business. So, you know, not just product and tech people, not just business planning people, but, um, you know, a wide array of people from across the business that we train specifically in OKRs, train to understand what a good key result looks like. Um, and then, you know, deploy, drop drop them in as and when they're needed. Teams can say, hey, look, we're struggling um, this quarter to write a good key result and we'll drop one of those champions in. And they will just facilitate and support some of the conversations towards getting a getting a good, good key result in their instance. It sounds great, obviously, having the, you know, you've got your OKRs at, at organisational level, your annual OKRs, and then having the, the team level um, that ladder up into, into those um wider OKRs. How often do the teams set their, their OKRs? Is that quarterly or? Yeah, at a team level, they set them quarterly. They talk to, a, you know, the key business stakeholder. Our annual objectives are sponsored by a member of the exec leadership team. So there's always a conversation that happens each quarter to make sure that um, that point of alignment feels right. It, it's owned by the team. We just try and do a little bit of sanity check around it to make sure it's truly aligned. But yeah, qu- quarterly, we try and keep that cadence quite high. And a lot of our teams then have fortnightly check-ins. So, you know, 45 minutes, once a fortnight where anybody can come along, chat to them about how they're getting on and, and see the progress and have a conversation about what they're doing. It sounds really good. And it's great that you've got those OKR champions as well in the business. Um, we're obviously a big advocate of having um, a OKR champion, if if you can, um, more than one. Um, and like you said, you can drop them in if someone's having some um, maybe difficulty or, or needs some support with um, their, their key results. So it's, yeah, I think it, it's perfect that you've got those, those champions that you can call upon. Like most things in life, OKRs are not perfect um, and you will face challenges along the way. I wondered if you can talk us through some of those early challenges that you found when implementing OKRs or even working with OKRs, whether it's at, at which or or when you began your um, OKR journey. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it, you're absolutely right. Rarely do we follow a framework exactly. Um, I think um, what what I've I, I think one of the challenges that is helpful in some respects, is that OKRs force you to have the important conversations up front. Uh, And I've learned to use the word important rather than difficult, but inherently they can be quite difficult from times. And I think um, while it is very challenging, it's one of the the biggest benefits. If you can um, identify the priorities and you can get everything out onto the table and you can get your most senior stakeholders to agree on what those are, you avoid those future points of conflict or or priority decisions that feel a little bit too late in the day, or that change in direction that can really frustrate teams. So uh, I think that's a, an example of a, a an important challenge that can be helpful. I think by their nature, though, those, those conversations can be really difficult. And quite often when you're first implementing OKRs, you're trying to put in place a new framework, and then you're putting a 
you know, potentially quite challenging set of conversations onto the table all in one go. And that can, you know, I've seen that lead to situations where you get pretty close to, or, you know, in some organizations, I'm sure you see kind of rejection of, of the system. And it's, it's not necessarily the system and the framework. It's actually the fact that you're exposing the important conversations. And so, you know, one thing I would say is that you really do need um, buy-in from probably the exec leadership team. I would see buy-in from the CEO and their acknowledgement that having a focus on the important things to discuss is is key and is is desired. Thankfully, we've got that, which our CEO really advocates for them um, and encourages us to have those difficult conversations up front. Um, I think the other challenge that you know is going to be really familiar to people is that although OKRs and key results are fundamentally really simple when you read them, you look at them, you're like, yep, that's so obvious. It's exactly what we need to do. They're incredibly fiddly to write. Um, and they're quite annoying to write when you first when you when you're first playing around with them. Um, but they do force the clarity. Um, you hear lots and lots of people saying, you know, it takes two or three quarters to really get into the flow of working with OKRs. Some of that's operational. Some of that is the, the you know the muscles of trying to write a well formed key result. It's you know it's. It's, it's quite a big commitment when you think, actually, as a business, we're going to try and change the framework of how we set our, our strategy and our goals. And then we're going to have to wait you know, several quarters to really see if that's going to bring the fruit, fruit of the labour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely some um, challenges there that you've mentioned that we hear often with um, organisations that have tried to implement OKRs and, and maybe sort of failed and the struggling and then you know turn to um external support and I think just one thing to, to pull out from there is you know those conversations I think opening those conversations early and I think communication 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 is, is definitely key sure um and I think also just going down to you know, if you do have and hopefully you you know you get that buy-in from from CEO and, and right from the top I think then when you look at the um team level OKRs you can maybe have some difficulties with, with those that you know are quite it, it's a new it's a whole new process to them and I think that communication and it brings in a whole sort of change management piece and actually explaining and, and helping people to understand you know the benefits that OKRs can bring in terms of you know alignment and you know the whole accountability piece so it's definitely not it's not an easy um you know, framework to, to follow for, for those that are completely new, but it definitely pays off, um, you know, in the end, as, as I can tell you, you know, from your conversation, the conversation that we've had, um, I can hear that, you know, enthusiasm in, in your voice. And it seems like now at, at which um, you've sounds a bit cliche, but you've sort of cracked them. <laughs> um, so it sounds um, very positive. As a, a chief product and technology officer, what benefits have you seen from using OKRs within your product teams or or squads? Yeah, um, I think probably the biggest benefit is that it it helps with that wider cultural shift. So as I say, which I I guess in a lot of organisations, you know, we're going through digital transformations. um, Everyone's going to operate in slightly different ways. We do use a kind of a product engineering, true product engineering or squad model. Um, and And it helps with the transition towards that. Um, it takes, uh, I think, or, or puts greater emphasis on the outcome. So there's that more traditional, you know, technology as a delivery function. It's a feature factory. We're pumping out, 
these things because stakeholders are asking for them rather than because they're necessarily the right things for our users and the right things that are going to drive the business forward in, in actuality. And it, it shifts all of the emphasis onto the outcome rather than the output. Um, and so the, the, the product engineering teams, the, the, the teams that are working on these things become much more product centric, they become much more user centric, and they really think about the metric. And when you start thinking more about the metric than the initiative or the feature, that initiative and feature um, can can change. You can you've got more adaptability. You can be more responsive. You can put something out there. You can see whether it works or it doesn't. If it doesn't, you can try something slightly different or pivot altogether. But what what doesn't necessarily change for the quarter is that thing that you've agreed with your stakeholders that you really need to achieve. Um, and so I think OKRs um, really complements organizations making that cultural shift shift towards being truly product centric so again i'm i'm a big advocate it's it's quite complementary mm-hmm. yeah and you hit the nail on the head there with the you know measuring um sorry delivering those measurable outcomes um for the business and i think that's obviously really important i'm interested to hear how you manage your okrs do you use a dedicated OKR software to track your OKRs, or is there another way that you um, manage manage those? Yeah, this is a, this is a really interesting one, isn't it? And there's it's um, there's, there's so much out there at the moment. We um, we did use a tool uh, for about twelve months or so. We we tested in that spirit of testing them. We tried we tried a tool out. Um, we've actually since moved back to just using a Google Sheet. Um, we couldn't quite bend the tool to work in the way in which we wanted to. There were a couple of small nuances like. Um, uh, having a, a, an individual team laddering up to multiple locales, organizational locales, it didn't quite work for us with that tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, something like a, particularly with Google Docs, that real kind of seamless collaboration, everybody's already got access to it. Everybody's familiar with it. Um, you know, that might not be a, a super popular statement to make with mm-hmm. so many startups operating in this space at the moment. Um, you know, and as we've said in this conversation, you know, on, on the one hand, OKRs are incredibly complicated, and it, we, you know, lots of people do need support and, and organisations like yourselves to, to help help get them in place. But fundamentally, at that real foundational level, OKRs aren't actually that complicated. And I think a combination of some kind of spreadsheet, and then you know, perhaps some kind of automated dashboard or tool to help with the reporting side of things, um, you know, is, is probably all that you you need. Our, our biggest progression at the moment, we're, we're pretty happy with the, the spreadsheet side of things, but our biggest progression right now is that automation piece, that thinking about we're using Looker to automate some of our data reporting against our OKRs, encouraging each of our teams to put in place a dashboard. Um, and that's a self-fulfilling process as well, because the more emphasis you put on that data automation, the more you need to write a good key result in the, in the first place in order to be able to have it uh, uh, measurable and automated and stuck on a dashboard in that way. So, um, yeah, not it's, I mean, it's an interesting one. I suspect this is going to evolve massively, right, over the mm-hmm. next 6, 12, 18 months. I'm sure a few tools are going to uh, float to the top and they're going to really nail this. And so I suspect that we may well continue to look at the market and change our approach um, in the coming year. Yeah, of course. The, the OKR software market has blown up. Um, and I think there's definitely pros and cons um and like you said does you know you had a tool that didn't didn't quite work for for your business um obviously every business is different i think it can become when you have sort of complex goals or more cross-functional goals it can become quite tricky um 
on spreadsheets all sort of a little bit messy but I think um like you said it, it's finding the right tool um that works and of course you you understand that um you know there's a lot of different software out there and I'm sure you'll 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 keep your eye on that on that market and see see what what happens I'm wondering if you can give I like to ask him all of our guests for a piece of advice for our listeners so for anyone that's maybe at the beginning of their OKR journey or they're coming across some challenges what one two pieces of advice would would you give those that you think would help them um along the way a piece of advice um so i guess two two things probably spring to mind i think first off um and, and again this is you know not new you hear this a lot but okrs aren't everything you do as a business i've seen businesses adopt okrs for the first time and try and take everything the organization does and translate it into an OKR. And you end up with this overwhelming kind of behemoth of a spreadsheet or a tool or something, and you, you, you kind of drown in, in OKRs. OKRs aren't everything you do. They're supposed to be the most important thing you, you need to do over a period of time in order to be successful as a business. Doesn't mean that other things aren't important. I always um, use the example of uh, supplying laptops to new joiners, right? It's, uh, it, you know, Supplying laptops, it's business critical. If people don't have their laptops, they're not going to be able to do their work. You know, if you get it wrong, you could end up with a you know potentially quite serious sort of security breach or something like that. But it isn't the focus of the business. So provision of laptops doesn't need to be an OKR. You know, increasing the conversion of a you know particular demographic into your core subscription model quite probably probably does. So it's absolutely critical, I think, to to have that focus and acknowledge really early, it doesn't need to be everything. It needs to be the most important things. And the second thing that comes to mind that, that probably complements that is, you know, just start really small and keep it simple. Do it at an organizational level um, because you need that alignment early, but start really small. Um, you know, OKRs are fundamentally simple. It's just a natural language objective. You know, anybody should be able to understand it. Anyone in the business should be able to read it and go, okay, I totally get what we're trying to achieve there. Um, and then, you know, complement that with a, a really measurable outcome that sits underneath it and, and be leading and be quite specific, be quite granular with it. And, and you just, you don't need a huge number of them to start out with. You know, like I say, with teams, one objective, one or two key results for me is sufficient. And I think that narrowing and narrowing and down the focus um, and being focused is probably the one biggest piece of advice overall that I would I would give to people implementing for the first time. I think that's a, a really good piece of advice. I think people that some people that are new to OKR try too much too soon um, and then sort of think, oh this isn't right, this doesn't work. But it's it's just that they haven't approached it in, in the right way. And I think it's also you know, like you mentioned there and, and you know it's separating the, the BAU from you know what yeah. your, your objectives and you know your, your longer goals and I think um yeah some people probably think that they can do everything with with OKRs when really that's not what they're they're there to do so definitely a great piece of advice um start small thank you Rico so much for joining me for an episode of Giant Talk it's been great to hear about your journey it's always nice to hear how people are using OKRs and and, and their start of the journey and where they are now. It sounds very positive um, and it's great to hear that you are such an, an OKR advocate. 
And thank you to you, our listeners, for joining us for another episode of Giant Talks. If you have any feedback or if you'd like to chat, please do get in touch with us by emailing grace at therebegiants.com. Thanks for me, Grace. Thanks, Carly. Great to, great to speak to you today.